You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. John chapter number 21. I'd like to uh, present a topic tonight, a subject on uh, the title of the sermon tonight is Back on Track. Back on Track. Have you ever been discouraged to the point that it affects other areas in your life? Have you ever been hurt, made mistakes, had regrets, or messed up so bad you feel like you can't get it back together? Maybe it was a routine, you had a goal, a New Year's resolution that we're a month and a half into that you've already failed at. You had a commitment, you used to. Do something faithfully. Maybe it's church attendance. Maybe it's a a time and place of prayer. Maybe it's with our Bible reading. Maybe it's with visitation or with soul winning. And you've fallen off the track. You used to tell others about him. You used to give financially. You used to be committed. Let me just say this emphatically. It's time to get back on track. Once we're saved, the devil can't take away our salvation. I said, once we're saved, praise the Lord, glory to God, we can't lose our salvation. But what can the devil do? The devil can get us off track. He can influence us to be discouraged. He can influence us to live a defeated life, to get downhearted. And let me just say, if that's the case, then it's time to get back on track. I'm not sure why you got off track, and really it doesn't matter. Our focus should be on how we get back on track. Albert Einstein was traveling from Princeton on a train. When the conductor came down the aisle punching tickets, Einstein reached in his vest pocket and he couldn't find his ticket. So he reached in his trouser pockets. It still wasn't there. He looked in his briefcase but still couldn't find him. He looked in the seat next to him but it wasn't there either. The conductor kindly said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket, don't worry about it. The conductor then continued on his way, punching tickets. Just before he went to the next car, he turned around and saw the great scientist on his hands and knees, frantically looking under his seat for his ticket. The conductor rushed back and said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know who you are. No problem. You don't need a ticket. Einstein said, young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. And maybe we're here tonight and we're not sure what avenue we're headed down because we've gotten off track. Maybe somebody's listening online or maybe somebody through the radio station would just say, hey, look, it's time to get on track. And maybe you're here tonight and you say, hey, I'm already on track. Well, then maybe this will be an encouragement. Maybe this will be motivation to stay on track. John chapter 21 In verse number one, the Bible says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. In verse number three, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. 
And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. It goes on to say that though they caught nothing and though they were experienced fishermen, they were professionals, that used to be their occupation, Jesus gives them a simple command that they follow, and as a result, they caught many fish. A miracle that took place. Then we arrive at verse number 12. The Bible says, And Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that he was risen from the dead. And just to set the context here, we have Peter. And although it's not a bad thing to go fishing, all God's people said, amen. amen. It's not a bad thing to go fishing. But you know what? When God called Peter, and he called and said, hey, Peter, follow me, and I will make you fishers. And then Jesus changed Peter's occupation. He set him in a new direction. He put him on a different track, if you will. However, there are some things that took place in Peter's life, and he got off track. And this is one of the last conversations that Jesus is having with Peter. And let's see what he emphasizes, what he focuses on to get Peter back on track. In verse 15, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, the influencer, the one who decided to go fishing, and the, the others followed, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16, he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. In verse 19, this spake he, signifying what, uh, by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. You know what? I'm so glad that God is a God of second chances. And though Jesus had walked along the shores and called Peter once and said, Hey, follow me. Here we have a reiteration of that Jesus again speaking to Peter. Jesus again giving the command, I want you to follow me. What he was signifying there is to leave everything else behind and place your focus, place your occupation, place your trust in me. And that resounds and that echoes through the halls of eternity, follow me. I like again, like I said, to preach a message tonight on back on track. And let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for all that you've done for me. I thank you so much for all that you're doing here at Victory Baptist Church. And Lord, oftentimes all I can do is just stand back and look in amazement at your miracles and you building your church. And Lord, I pray that you'd uh, use the service tonight. I pray that you'd uh, please help me to be emptied of self. And I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. I pray that you speak to hearts tonight with this subject back on track. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. And maybe some things have come in your life where you've gotten off track. I'll let the Holy Spirit and just be sensitive to uh, God's work as he's uh, using this message. And maybe he'll deal with you in an area in your life where we can get back on track. 
We have an event here in Peter's life where he needed to get back. He was a follower of Christ. He had been called by Christ. Uh, he had literally left everything that he had in order to do what God has for his life. But yet we arrive in this portion of scripture where he went back on what he was called to do. Just a few uh, chapters, just a short time before this, Jesus and the disciples were gathered together. They were talking in that upper room. They were eating and they were singing hymns and praising the Lord and having fellowship there and enjoying their time together. And Jesus makes a profound statement that confuses those that are around him. He makes the statement that all of them would be offended because of him. And that word offended could mean forsake or abandon or, uh, or renounce him. And Peter then boldly proclaims, though everyone else would forsake him, though everyone else would renounce him, he would never do that. He even says, hey, I'd rather die than, than that take place. But what does the Bible say about using the words never? In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. You may say today, emphatically, hey, I'll never stop reading my Bible. Hey, I'll never deny Christ. Hey, I'll never stop praying. I'll never stop attending church. Well, let me tell you here today that there are some people who would have made those statements, and yet they're not here today. They've not been in church for a long time. And if you would have told them a year ago, if you would have told them many months ago that they were going to throw in the towel because of various circumstances or because of various things that came in life, they probably would have went to the magistrate's office in Roanoke Rapids or in Halifax and took out IVC paperwork on you. If you're familiar with that, then you, you'll understand that. But they'd say, hey, you're crazy to, to say that I'm not going to be in church, to say that I'm going to quit on God, to say that I'm going to throw in the towel. They would say you're losing it, but yet, what happens in life that causes us to get off track? You know what, I've said it before and I'll emphasize it today. We are all only one decision away from quitting on God. One decision, and uh, we look at others and, uh, you know, who have maybe done the same, and you know what the Bible says, take heed lest ye fall. And we should encourage those and, and, and help out and pray for those that we don't see and uh, pray for those who are having hard times and dealing with different things. You say, well, I, I had a good reason, I had a good excuse, but let me tell you, it's time to get back on track. Though Peter makes a bold proclamation that everyone else would do it and he, and he would not, we find a short time later that he denies Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. When does Peter realize this error? In the book of Matthew, the Bible says in chapter 26 and verse 74 and 75, then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And the Bible says, and immediately the cock crew. In the book of Mark, the Bible says in chapter 14, verses 71 and 72, uh, but he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him. In the book of Luke, the Bible says in chapter 22, verses 60 and 61, and Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew, and then something else happens. It says, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter 
and he remembered the word of the Lord. Maybe some things are taking place in our life that are trying to get our attention. Hey, maybe there's a, 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 a cock that's crowing. Hey, maybe it's circumstances in life. Hey, maybe it's some things that are taking place. And here's the question for you. What is it going to take in our lives for God to get our attention to say, Hey, it's time to get back on track. Hey, I've called you to do something. I want you to follow me. Let me just say this uh, as a summation here that... If, if, if Jesus looks at Peter, let me just say this, in order for him to recognize this, in order for him to realize this, Peter had to be doing something in retrospect. And that's Peter had to be looking at Jesus. And let me just say this, uh, uh, Peter had to be looking at Jesus and once he looked at him and once he, uh, the cock had crowed and, and uh, once Jesus was looking at him, it said Peter realized what he had done, he remembered. You know, Miss Joanna sang that song, Do You Remember? And I think sometimes in our lives when we get discouraged, hey, sometimes in our lives when we get off track, what we need to do is remember all that God has done in our lives. And you know what? There, there may have been in Peter's life some unmet expectations. Hey, there may have been in Peter's life some, uh, they thought that Jesus was going to establish his kingdom. And uh, maybe there was even some fear that was taking place in Peter's life and said, hey, those that follow Christ and he watched him come and violently take him and they watched him beat him and they watched him him and they watch these false accusations that nothing really st stuck but yet they nailed his, his hands and his feet to that cross and he died an agonizing death that Peter watched and maybe through all that he thought that's not how I want to end up and there was maybe some fear that was taking place but what regardless of what Peter was thinking he decided hey you, you know what I, I'm gonna go do I'm gonna go do what I know what to do in the past, and that's go back to fishing. And I don't know what it is in our lives that we've gotten off track, and maybe it's a decision. Hey, maybe God has dealt with us in an area, and we've decided, hey, I'm going to go back on this area. Let me just tell you, hey, tonight it's time to get back on track. So how do we get back on track? Number one, we have to adjust our look. We need to look to Jesus See, oftentimes we look around at our trials. Oftentimes we look around at our financial need or our physical need and we start to get discouraged. Hey, we can look around and people can fail us and people can forsake us and we can look around and say, hey, who else is with me and why am I continuing to do the things that we do? But you know what? If we are, we're looking to the wrong place. We need to look unto Jesus. That's our motivation. Hey, that's our reason for doing the things that we do. Because if our motivation is that somebody will see us or somebody will acknowledge us or somebody will pat us on the back, then sometime that acknowledgement is going to go away. Sometime that acknowledgement is not going to be there. But if we just decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to stay on track by looking unto Jesus. Psalm 121 and verse 1 and 2 says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. See, our help comes from God, not from anything in this life. And God can supply all of our needs and God can answer prayers. So yet, why do we turn to others to fulfill those needs when God is waiting and eager and willing to meet them off? We'll just simply turn and look to Him. To get back on track, we have to stop looking at the world to solve our problems and start looking to God. We have to stop relying on other people to encourage us and look to God. We have to stop putting our confidence in man and put our confidence in God. Stop trusting 
And I hear the statement all the time, and trust the science and trust God instead. You know, I'm taking a class. I'm going back to school, and it's great. And, I'm, and I say great is sarcastic, but uh, I am learning along the way. And the first class that I'm taking, uh, per, uh, getting my master's degree, or at least on, on, the, on the track to completing it, is uh, the philosophy or the history of education. And it's interesting to know how education started with the church, educating folks, and it's migrated over time, and all the bills that they passed to get a common score, public education, and then how time progressed, and uh, how uh, uh, politics and how the economy of the world affected what's going on in the school. And there was a day and time and age where the scientists were the ones that were setting the policies. And it was really the politicians were the puppets of the scientists. And they were like, hey, look, this is how it works. And you've got all these uh, 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 scientific figures and uh, uh, Darwinism and so forth that has affected the world and has affected education as we know it. And I see the times are changing now that the politicians are running the scientists. And the politicians are the one setting up, hey, here's the one who's going to be the spokesman for this. But let me just say this, through it all, we should trust faith and not fear. We need to stop looking at our situation, stop looking at our circumstances and turn our eyes upon Jesus. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And watch what happens. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Helen Haworth Lemma was born in England in 1863 into a home of a Wesleyan minister who immigrated to America when Helen was a child. She loved music and eventually became the music teacher at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. But then tragedy struck. The author of this song developed an affliction that resulted in blindness. Shortly thereafter, her, son, her husband left her. At age 55, Helen heard a statement written by Lilius Trotter in a pamphlet entitled Focused that deeply impressed her, and the statement was, So then, turn your eyes upon him, look full into his face, and you will see that the things of earth will acquire a strange new dimness. She turned her blind eyes upon Jesus, and this world began to grow dim. The problems of life were met with an eternal perspective. If somebody that's blind can turn their eyes upon Jesus and receive fulfillment and receive strength and receive encouragement to get back on track, then you know what I think us with our eyes open can do the same. The problem a lot of the time is that we're looking to ourselves, we're looking to others instead of looking to Jesus. The Bible says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. When Peter is here and denies Jesus those three times, and the cock crowed twice, and Jesus turned and looked at Peter, and Peter's looking at Jesus, and he realizes, he remembers, 
all that had taken place. I wonder what that felt like. Where he, Jesus, was saying, hey, all of you are going to forsake me. All of you are going to renounce me. And then Peter emphatically says, I will never. And then Peter's looking at Jesus' face, whom he just cursed, whom he just renounced, whom he just forsook. And the Bible says in verse number 62, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. And you know what? You would have thought at that point in time, hey, when there was some repentance, hey, when there was some turning back, that that would have got him on track, that Jesus looked at him and he remembered what took place and he went out and he went bitterly. Let me just say this, hey, if we've gotten off track, I think it's a good thing to confess it and say, hey, God, let me remember what you've done in my life. Hey, God, let me remember the commitments that I made. Hey, to come down to an altar and to weep. But you know what? There, was, there wasn't a change. And I think that, uh, again, I don't know what took place in Peter's life. I can't imagine all that he was dealing with at that time. But we arrive just a short time later and Peter's out fishing. He's, out, he's off track. But what did he do to get right? What did he do that he'd go on to preach and thousands were saved? What did he do to get back on track? Well, Jesus, as he's speaking to Peter, he asks him a question three times. He says, hey, do you love me? Let me encourage you, number one, to get back on track. We need to look. And that's looking unto Jesus. Hey, number two, I believe that we need to love. And you say, hey, look, I love. You know, Peter had messed up and now Jesus was not with him like he used to be. There were some expectations that he had that maybe weren't met. There was some uncertainty with the future and what it might bring. And then again, maybe there was some fear. Sometimes in our lives, if we have unmet expectations, if we have uncertainty, sometimes it's easy to get off track. But let me just say this, the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. And faith is believing without seeing. Hey, faith, that's how God wants us to live. So when we have those times of uncertainty, when we have those times of fear, when we have those times where we don't know how it's going to end up, that's the time that God steps in and says, hey, I want you to trust in me because I can get you through. And that's what gets our faith stronger. And that's what allows us to minister to others. And he asked him three times. The first time he says, do you love me more than these? So we say, hey, look, let's get our look right. I'm going to look unto Jesus. I'm not going to focus on the circumstances. But secondly, our love. You say, hey, well, I already love God. Well, here's a question for you. Do you love him more than these? Who is he talking about there? I envision them sitting around that campfire, if you will, and the fish and the smell of what's taking place. So you've got the fish there and you've got the, the friends that are there and then you've got the boat and the nets and all that encompasses in the background. And arguably, if that was a profession that he had, maybe he enjoyed doing it. And how many enjoy fishing? Say amen. 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 And you've got that campfire that's taking place and Jesus says, do you love me? More than these. And maybe the these were the people, his friends that followed him. And that's maybe what was encouraging him or whatever else. Or uh, maybe it was the place. You know, you hear it often. Or I'm going to the beach. Or I'm going to the lake. Or I'm going to, you know, here for the weekend. And that's your happy spot. But then here's the question. Do you love him more than these? Hey, do you love him more than the friends? 
Hey, more than the people, if somebody here today offends you or somebody here today leaves and they're not coming back and throws the towel in on God, do you love him more than these? Are you going to follow them or are you going to follow Christ? Where are our eyes? Or the place? Again, the lake, you say, hey, I'm not willing to give that up because this is my, this is my me time. Amen? And I'm not going to give that up. Hey, do you love him more than the people? Hey, the friends more than the places? How about the things? The boat, the net, all that's taken place. And you say, well, I don't have a, a boat. Well, maybe it's a house or maybe it's a nice car or whatever you want to fill it in. Whatever earthly possessions, do you love him more than these? Meaning just stuff. That's what love is. Do you love me more than these? And you ask him that three times and all those statements are followed with, in verse number 15, feed my lambs. In verse number 16, Feed my sheep. In verse number 17, feed my sheep. The emphasis and the focus is not on yourself. But when we're loving God, our focus becomes on feeding others. You say, how do I feed others? Then what I'm going to do is when I make lunch today, I'm going to make some chocolate chip cookies. I'm going to drop it by the Bibi's house on Thelma Road. I had somebody bring me a cookie tonight. Praise the Lord. And they thought of me with chocolate chip cookies. No, that's not what he's talking about. Hey, what is feeding others? Encouraging one another. Hey, what's feeding others? Meeting the needs of others. Hey, when Jesus came to this life, he came not to uh, be ministered, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we're loving God like we should, we will feed others. Hey, we'll not just look to the needs that we have. We'll look to meet the needs of others. And by the way, as I mentioned in Sunday school, the greatest need that Roanoke Rapids has, the greatest need that Halifax County has, the greatest need that North Carolina, the greatest need that America has is salvation. Amen. And often we sit down and we wonder, why in the world are people making policies like this? Like it's not even logical, it doesn't even make sense. In the book of Jonah, it describes it, and God says to Jonah, he says, hey, uh, I'm concerned about those who don't even know their right hand from their left hand. And if they don't even know their right hand from their left hand, how are they going to make moral policies? How are they going to make right decisions about what is a male and what is a female and what bathroom to use and who you can love and who you can marry and who you can't marry? There's no basis because they're not saved to begin with. The greatest need that this world has is salvation. When they asked Jesus what the greatest command was, he replied, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And then he added, and said, Hey, you didn't ask me, but I'm going to give you this as well. The second's like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And you say, How do I love my neighbors? Being patient. Hey, uh, love is patient, love is long-suffering, love is kind. And you say, well, I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to be kind as long as they're kind to me. That's not how it works. And by the way, it's a command from God. So to not do it is disobedience. And you say, well, I give a lot of money to the church, and I'm involved in the bus ministry, but I don't have patience, and I don't have kindness, and I'm not telling anybody else about him. As Brother Nathan preached to obey is better than sacrifice. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, Though I give all my goods to feed the poor and have not charity or love, I am nothing. Love is a choice. 
It's not a feeling. You don't fall in love as if you're walking down the sidewalk and you trip and hit your head and decide to love. Love is a choice. Love no matter what the response is. I'm so glad that God loves us no matter what our response is because we fail Him often and daily. Love is a choice. Love is a commitment. Make a decision that no matter what comes in life that you're going to remain committed to Him. Love is a command. Even when we don't feel like it, we need to realize that God has commanded us to love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. How are you doing tonight with your course? Have you gotten off track? Are you like Albert Einstein on that train and you're frantically looking around for your ticket because you don't know where you're going? Let me just say this, how do we get back on track? Number one, look unto Jesus. Hey, when he looked to Jesus, he remembered. Hey, he recalled the decisions that he made. He recalled the commands that God had. He went out and wept bitterly. He repented. But what did it take for him to ultimately get right? It was his love. And that's what God focused on. And let me just say that we need to get our love right. Maybe you say, hey, I'm already on track. Hey, I'm, I'm committed to church. Hey, I'm committed to my Bible reading. Hey, I'm committed to prayer. Hey, I'm committed to telling others about all that God has done for me. Then let me just say this as an encouragement. Stay on track. Hey, keep doing what you're doing. Keep uh, being renewed and re-energized and have a desire to live and to serve Him, a renewed desire to reach this area for the cause of Christ. It's time to get back on track. What are you looking at? You're looking at Jesus or the circumstances and how is your love with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. And the second's like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You say, well, I've got the love for God right. Well, you know what? It, the, the measure of that is how are you loving your neighbor? And that's when others are doing things that make you upset. And all you want to do is say, I'm just going to give this guy a piece of my mind, right? But you know what? You're never going to get that piece back. And if you're like me, you don't have a lot of pieces to give away. Let's be kind. Hey, let's be patient. Let's show this world that there's something different in our lives. And why is that? Because all of a sudden, one day, we're going to be the ones that are saying, hey, let me give you the good news of what God has done for me. And you say, well, I've done some things in my past. I feel like I messed up. Hey, you know what? Here's, here, here's the thing. It could have been the fact that Peter denied Jesus three times and he went out and wept bitterly and then it was just over and you never hear about him anymore. Hey, there's another individual that I think of like that. His name was Judas. And Judas betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And the Bible says that he repented. He, he, he said, what did I do? And they didn't, they didn't, you know, they took the money and you know, did whatever with it. And the Bible says that he went out and he hung himself. It was all over. I'm so glad that no matter what we've done in our past, God can still use us. Hey, Jonah. The Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jonah and sent him to Nineveh and he goes the opposite way. He's in the belly of the whale uh, three days and three nights. And Jonah cried unto the Lord from the belly of the whale and it spit him out. And then the Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. A second time. I'm so glad that God's a God of second chances. If we're still living and breathing, God can still use you in your life. 
and he wants to, let's get back on track. Hey, and if we're on track already, you know what, let's stay on track. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.